prophet, priest, king, Christmas Day will be servant. Uh, we're out of order here, though. So today you're getting king. Today you're getting King Jesus. This is what we're going to talk about. And we're going to take it from Psalm chapter 2, which says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill, and I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. I don't know if you've ever heard this at Christmas time. Uh, it doesn't sound real Christmassy. There's some gnarly gnarliness uh, going on in this passage. Uh, we, we see uh, the absolute power and authority, obviously, um, and, and justice being served on everything and everyone in which is, it's owed, which I think is, is part of what you and I desire, is to see things made right and justice prevail. And we absolutely have a king that's going to see to every bit of it here. Um, but uh, let's, let's maybe start with this. Uh, did any of you used to watch, like, the, the Jay Leno late night? Uh, yeah, he, yeah, Letterman was better and stuff, I know. But, like, um, there, there was, le- like, we, when me and Carrie first got married, we had, like, one channel on our TV that, that maybe we got if the wind blew the right direction. Um, and it just happened to be the one with Leno on it. So uh, we'd go to bed with that. But he used to do this thing called jaywalking. Right? I don't know if he saw this, but he would like go to Hollywood Boulevard. He'd walk out to Sunset Boulevard, and he would ask like some pretty basic questions of things. And I, could, I almost uh, 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 could imagine like if he was out asking somebody like uh, who came to mind or what, who they thought of when they think of, of King, uh, what they would say, like what, like who would make their list. You know, um, and you'd probably have names like King, King Arthur and, and maybe like Charlemagne and probably like Alexander the Great. You know, some people would probably say Mufasa from like Lion King because that's about how educated we are. Uh, and, and so like you'd probably get these names, but a name that would probably not likely make the list would probably be Jesus. That's probably a name that wouldn't make the list because our, our, our idea of a king is typically a very glamorized version of a king. Uh, But when I think of a king, in, listen, perfect world, I think of, first off, one who rules over a people, obviously. It's one who rules over a kingdom. It's one who has power and has authority. It's one who has freedom to make decisions based on what he thinks is appropriate or best or right. And because of this, it's one to be feared and, and revered and submitted to. Uh, A a king is one who leads a people, guides a people, protects a people from opposition and outside threats. 
He is one who works in the people's best interest, even if they do not see it or understand it. It would be one who is dedicated to preserving and promoting the greatest good for the sake of the citizens of that kingdom. In an ideal world, all these descriptions would be found to be true in a king. But, but, but in reality, uh, they're not always because we don't live in an ideal world, right? Like, are you guys familiar with the actual historic record that we have of kings? It ain't pretty. Uh, in fact, it's, it's like uh, uh, abysmal, right? Like inside and outside our Bibles. Uh, in reality, the historic record that we have of kings is largely a record of oppression and tyranny and tragedy and slavery and failure, and loss, ultimately leading to ruin. And, and, and yet we have these great fictional tales, don't we? These legends and this lore in our movies and in our literature surrounding kings. There's something appealing about a good, a good king. And so we think of like Camelot or uh, like Robin Hood. Um, or, or like uh, Aragon, right? Like Lord of the Rings comes to mind. We have tales like Cinderella, right? Uh, These are, these are uh, the the fictions uh, that we, that we want to see when we look at a king, these larger than life figures, all of which is a best case glorified, romanticized fabrication of an ideal king and kingship, right? So uh, a good, moral, upright king who does right. Um, One who at some level, even you might say, saves or redeems a people, But if you look at actual world history concerning kings, it ain't great. And it ain't great because of two reasons. One, um, all who have actually become kings are sinful. And two, we all want a king on our own terms because we're sinful. So, like, these these two things are a problem. So, like, for us as Americans, like, the president of the United States would be maybe our equivalent to a king. Right? Like, we refer to him as the commander in chief meaning the one who's in charge. There's no one greater, there's no one bigger, there's no one more powerful over our kingdom slash nation, right? But, but how do we get him? How does he become king? Uh, we vote. We, ca- we cast a vote, right? So that, that person comes up through the ranks via education or networking or gifted communication or corrupt connections or all of the above, and then he candidates, he self-promotes to become president. So he, he grinds to convince us that if we vote for him, he'll make all of our wildest dreams come true. Vote for Pedro, right? Surprised someone in here got that. Uh, he, 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 like, this candidate, like, does his best to convince us, the people of the kingdom, as to why he's the right guy to lead us. And then we decide if he's blowing smoke or, or if we're going to buy it. And then we vote according to what we like or don't like, want or don't want, and hope for the best, right? So it's kind of like up in the air. Like, like he's, he's, he's not there through lineage uh, unless his last name was Kennedy. Um, like, like not there through genealogy, not there through bloodline. It's uncertain who it might be and what they might do. So we're kind of left to this like red and blue option, right? Because objective thinking is basically a lost art. Um, and, and, and either options just as corrupt and sinful. And, and you got finite humans, um, who were willing or forced to trust and follow whether they're red or blue. We call it democracy, and in some ways, it's a, it's a nifty little system, but it's a fouled one. It's a flawed one. It ain't perfect. All that to say, 
Praise God, there's something else. Praise God, there's another option. Praise God, there's something else. Praise God, there's someone else besides that which is available to us on our ballots. Right? He's over all of it. So we're going to do like this quick, this isn't going to be like surgery. Uh, there's too much. So we're going to do kind of a quick like hot rod flyover of uh, Psalm 2 real quick. Okay? So yes, there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to touch on, um, but we're going to touch on a few things. So uh, first of all, verse 1, why do the, the, the nations rage and the people plot in vain? It starts off with basically a question. And right here from the opening line, we have an outward expression, an outward human disposition of sin and rebellion. The nations rage and the people plot in vain. There's conflict. There's enmity. There's war, right? Like what? Like why? Verses 2 and 3. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Who's that? Saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. So, so here, here's the reason why the nations rage, because they don't like the king that God has appointed and established over all kingdoms and all kings. And God has. They, they do not want to be bound, notice the language, bound under God's supreme rule or his appointed king. I want you to notice here that the, what makes Jesus the king of kings, we sing that, we say that, we read that, king of kings. That means that all the kings that ever have been or are or will be have a king. There's one who is over the top of every single one of them. I don't care how big the dynasty is. I don't care how powerful that kingdom has been. There's a king over all kings that exist, and it's Jesus And the inhabitants of the earth do not like this because we want to determine who's what and how we want to see things done. That's that's like what we we want to be free agents. This is probably my biggest problem. I think if you think about it, it's probably one of your biggest problems too. If you if you remember resisting the Lord, resisting truth, resisting the gospel. What is it? What was the thing that I that I didn't want to give up? My free agency. I didn't want to give up my quote-unquote free will that I thought that I had. I don't want someone telling me what to do. I don't want to be bound to anybody. That's the whole reason I I completely rebelled against my parents at a young age. Just a little punk, right? Like, no one had to teach me to do that. Like, don't tell me what to do. Like, this is my body, my life, my... You know what I mean? Like, we we live in a world right now that's really good at using that, that kind of imagery and that kind of language. My, 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 this, you have no business telling me what to do. Unless it comes to getting a poke poke, then then they can tell you what to do. But, like, yeah, it's it's like we're we're all about free agency. Like, we want to be free agents. This is our fundamental problem, right? We want our free will to reign, not his will to reign. And we, we see this going on here. So these guys, just like us, want to be free to rule, free to reign, free to oppress, free to take, free to move about the cockpit, right, of their own desires and whims and pride and gain. We want to be the cat. What, what's the phrase? The captain of our own ship, right? Why? Because the alternative implies that we have to submit, accept, obey, and be accountable to. That's what it means. So the nation's rage 
and the people plot in vain. This is why Herod was bent on killing Jesus, God's anointed king, from the moment that Jesus came out of his mother's womb, right? Like, like that was Herod's way of saying, let us burst apart their bonds and cast away their cords from us. Their plural being God the Father and God the Son, his anointed. That's who's being talked about. Bonds and cords, what do they do? They own They bind. They hold us to something. And this is what the people of the nations and the kings of the nations want to break. Is that which God rightly holds us by. Which are his standards. We want to say, don't tell me how to rule, how to live, how to conduct myself. That's mine. No, it's not. It's God's. If you exist on earth in the flesh and you suck air every day, I don't care if you believe God or not. I don't care if you believe in Jesus or not. I don't care if you have a Bible or believe in the Bible or not. You are owned by God. He is the owner, whether you like it or not. It's just truth. I don't like gravity. I've been a chimney sweep for years. My whole deal was being on roofs, right? Some of them aren't very friendly. Like, I don't like gravity. I disagree with it. But it is true every time. Every time I went one direction, right? This is what we're talking about. That's what truth is. It's just simply true. It's not up for negotiations or debate. It is so weird holding this mic right now. I feel funky. <laughs> what we see right here in these first like three, three opening verses is the reality of, 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 of the problem, not just with the inhabitants of the kingdom, but um, earthly kings of the kingdom, um, and, and, and that is that we want to be free agents. We want to do our own thing. Um, and the reason is because sin reigns in us, and sin says, I'm going to do this my way. So verses 1 through 3 establishes this. You ready? That we hate the king and the kingship of God. We hate the king which God has appointed, is what's being said in verses 1, 2, and 3. All right? Verses 4 through 9 establishes this. Jesus is a king, like I just said, whether we like it or not. Jesus is king, whether we like it or not. Look at 4 through 6. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So, so like God's determinate will in establishing a once-for-all king is settled it simply is. The, king, the kingship is, is settled, right? It's not up for debate or challenge or vote. God's economy is not a democracy. It is not a democracy. His hand is not forced by the force of the rebellion coming out of the kings of the nations. In fact, he laughs at their attempts. He laughs at their attempts to dethrone him, right? At their objection to his election, Because it's not theirs to decide. And notice where the decision maker sits. Where's he laughing from? Heaven. He ain't ain't in the Oval Office. Like he's in a place that's a little more powerful. It's It's a little bigger of a room than the Oval Office. Like he sits in a in a throne far over and above the objectors. This is the real, the real commander in chief. Of all things, right? And, and, and what has he decided? He's decided to set his king on Zion, his holy hill. That's what he's decided. Without getting bogged down on this, this is Jesus. 
This is Jesus. And the, and the only vote that matters has been cast, and it has been counted. It is done. No voter fraud going on. This is a legitimate nomination, right? And, and, and then he, he pulls back the curtain in, like, verses 7 through 9 to let us in a, on a bit of a conversation that, that went down leading up to this nom, nomination. It's a conversation. It's worded a little weird when you read through the psalm because you see that there's a switch in who's talking to who. Okay, but this this is a little conversation between the father and the son that goes down in seven uh, through through nine, um, which which says, I tell you the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Like, like, like God anoints his, his, his anointed, appoints his anointed to office to exercise full power, full authority, and judgment in righteousness over all kingdoms. Which, by the way, means that they're all, uh, plural, his kingdom. Singular. All kingdoms on earth, plural, are his kingdom. Singular. Wherever God is, is his kingdom. Wherever God's working is his kingdom. Wherever his king, his jurisdiction is as a king is his kingdom. He owns it, and he's doing something there. Okay? So, it, so it's, it's all his, his kingdom. And all this to say that no matter when you lived or where you lived or how you lived or why you lived, we all live under one king. One king to this day. We all live under one king. In other words, a king has been established whose term will not run out. It's eternal. A king has been established who cannot be impeached. A king has been established who cannot be overtaken or conquered by another king. A king has been established who cannot be killed or put to death, even though we already tried that one. A king has been established who cannot be bought off or corrupted. And because of all this, you ready? He's the king we all need. Jesus is the king that we all need, right? This is verses 10 through 12. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. This is the king that we all need. He starts off by saying, now therefore, and, and what does therefore mean? It, it, it like has to do with everything that was just previously said, right? There's a conclusion coming. It means as a result of everything that I've just said and just revealed, he says basically five things here. Be wise, warned, serve, rejoice, kiss. These are the five things that, are, that, that really stand out here, right? Who? God's appointed king. The son, right? So wise, be wise, meaning understand that which you've just heard. There is a king of kings, and you're not it. So submit. Understand, be wise. That's wisdom. To know that, to believe that, to understand that. There's a king, and it ain't you. Submit. Right? And, and this goes along with the next one, the, the warning. They're warned. Stop rebelling and start repenting. Turn. Turn from your rebellion. Turn from your in, enmity. Turn from your disobedience, your love of self, to the one who deserves your love. All right? Because if you don't, it ain't going to go well for you. That's all sprinkled all through these last three verses. 
Like, like Jesus ain't just this, the, the, the little, uh, very delicate, uh, very, very gentle lamb that we all make him to be. I mean, this is some, this is gnarly lamb. He's coming to handle business, people, as a king, as a king, right? Number three, serve, which means it ain't about you. It's about him. And it ain't about feeding yourself. It's about feeding his, his will, his agenda, what he appoints, right? It's not about your kingdom. It's about his kingdom. That's why we exist. But because of sin in us, we have it completely backwards. We want to put ourselves at the center of that every time, all right? It's not about your free will and your autonomy. It's about his will and his ownership to the praise of his glory. For he says, rejoice. Why? Because King Jesus is the best king that we could ever possibly imagine. That's why. He's the best king that we can ever possibly imagine. That we can ever possibly sit under and know and be ruled by. He's the best world leader we can possibly have. That this world has ever seen and ever will see. And so then it says, kiss. And that's what they would do when they would encounter a king. Royalty. That's how you would greet them. You would kiss them. Right? You would pay homage that way. Right? But it also means come close to him. To kiss, you have to come close. Right? He's yours. It, it, it's basically saying, like, love him, accept him, draw near to him, adore him. Why? Because he's drawn near to you. He is for you. He is with you. He is above you. He's before you. He's behind you. Never to leave you. And because this is true, blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. They're blessed. Notice this. They, they, they hate this idea. They want to break the bonds and break the cords. But once you walk through these five steps and, 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 and you kiss, you come close, you realize blessing, not curse, right? Like, like fulfillment, not disappointment. These people are established, not destroyed. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I have in my life. This is true. I remember when I was at enmity with God. I didn't want him to tell me what to do, how to live my life. I didn't want any of that. And so I fought and I fought and I fought with a certain idea in mind of what kind of a tyrant he was until he captured my heart and brought me close to himself. And then all the beauty appeared. Everything I was missing appeared. I was so wrong. I was so wrong about what kind of king Jesus is. And why he does what he does and says what he says. And leads how he leads. Right? You know, it's, it, it's, interest, it's interesting that for all our rebellion against authority and against kings, our desire for autonomy and free agency, it, it, it's funny how we still have this innate desire to be led. There's also that side of it too. We all have this thing in us that wants to be led, to have one meaning a king, and not just anyone, but one that's actually good, one that's truly good, truly for justice, truly for righteousness, truly for us. We want one, and we can't find one, which we can't apart from Jesus. We'll create one. We're all worshipers, people. Everybody that's ever walked on earth is a worshiper. You do not have to be a Christian to worship. We all worship. We all worship something. 
But because of the fall and our enmity toward God, we just go worship other things that don't deserve the worship. But we all worship, right? So we'll create something to worship. We'll create something to lead us or someone to lead us, whether it's a professional athlete or a movie star, like a celebrity, even a criminal. Have you seen these people? Sometimes you get these celebrity criminals and these women that are just like falling all over them. And it's a weird thing. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. We'll, we'll do this with, with presidents of the United States. We'll look to them and we'll esteem them and put them in a place they don't belong. We'll even do it with our pastors. I remember doing this as a young Christian. Every time, every time I would uh, go to a church, like he, he was the guy I wanted to get next to. Just, I just wanted to touch his garment. You know what I'm saying? Like he was the dude. You know, I wanted to be led by, and I, I would put him in a place that he didn't belong. Like, like, like we find a way to get behind someone and give ourselves to someone. And this is not new. Israel, Israel, even though God had told them that he was going to do something far better, give them something far better than just another king, right? Still shouted and demanded in the moment, give us a king. And so he did. He, he gave them, he granted them uh, their, their wish, and it was more of the same to more no ultimate effect or relief or value or solution. It is in us to have someone near present, physical, to get behind and have lead us. Um, we still have this go on here because um, we have kind of this weird like leadership structure at the door, which you guys all know if you've been here for any period of time now. Uh, we have this weird thing going on where we believe that pastors are elders and elders are pastors. It's synonymous because we believe that's what our Bibles teach us. Just different words, same, same office, same thing, right? And then we believe that the Bible teaches us in a plurality, a co-equal plurality of those things, appointing elders in every church, Timothy. Okay, and, and so we don't have one guy here who's the senior pastor and then a little associate pastor over here and, and, and a little whatever intern pastor. Like we don't play that game. When you come here to the door, you see three guys. But like it's so it's so foreign to what our church has been doing for so long that even though you guys hear it and see it, you don't know what to do with it. I don't know how many times we have people come up to us still, and they'll, they'll be like, oh, so like you guys don't have like a senior pastor, huh? Like you're all the pastors, huh? And it's like, yeah. And, and then you'll get this like, but, but you're like really the guy, right? You know, like I'll get that all the time, where people will nudge me, and they'll be like, but, but you're like really the guy, right? Like they, they still want to know who the guy is. They, they still want this person who they can say, that's the one. They can identify as the true leader. And it's the weirdest thing in the world, but like we, we see this go on. This thing is like in us to need somebody to lead us, right? It's in us to want a king. It's in us to serve a king. It's in us to know that king. It's in us to follow that king. It's in us to want to be led by a king. And you know what? We have one. And it ain't me. And it ain't Chad. And it ain't Brent. And it ain't Alex Jones. And it ain't Elon Musk, and it ain't the president. It ain't none of these guys. It's Jesus. Jesus is king and the king that we all need. That we all need. We have a king who transcends every king we've ever had in every way. The challenge is this. One, we've already established this, we're a sinful people. But two, he did not look like one when he came. He didn't look like one when he came. This is the challenge. He did not look like one when he was born. He did not look like one when he was grown. He did not live like one. He did not talk like one. 
He did not pick friends like one. He did not flex like one. And he could outflex everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like he could have just looked at somebody and done like a Jedi mind trick and they would have just turned to jelly. You know what I mean? Like he could have done that. When he was on the he could have called 10,000 angels. And he didn't. He could, he could outflex anybody. And he, and he didn't. This is the, the weird part, and this is the part that, like, discouraged Israel. They're like, how are you, you going to, like, how are you going to level our enemies and our foes and the nations around us doing what you do and looking like you look and hanging out with who you hang out with? Like, it, it, didn't, it didn't seem right. He did not resemble any of the qualities and characteristics of royalty at all, which is why when he came, Israel was like, what's this? Like, this is not the droid you're looking for, you know what I mean? Uh, another movie, yep. No one laughed at that one. Um, Jesus was not a droid. That was bad. Um, everything about Christ when he came seemed wrong. It seemed wrong. Everything about him seemed off in regards to their expectations of what a king should look like and be. So they were out. And the way that they got out was by taking him out. You don't like the light that you've been given, you break the bulb. Like this, this is what they did, which according to Acts chapter 4, verse 28, played directly into his hand. It's exactly what they were supposed to do, exactly how he knew they were going to respond, as far as his kingship really manifesting itself. See, Jesus may not be the king that we all wanted, but he's the king we all needed. He's the king we all needed. And when we, by the grace of God, come to need him, when we draw close to him, we then know that he's the king that we always wanted. It is at that time. While on earth, he may not have looked like one, but let me share just a couple of the ways that he absolutely proved to be the greatest, truest, most desirable, and awesome king that this world has ever seen. Number one, most kings are born into privilege. They are born into privilege. They are born already having maids and servants tending to you, grooming you, changing you, educating you, preparing you, right? Jesus, born with a poor mom who was already caught in a scandalous situation due to her premature birth and a dad trying to figure out how to put food on the table. Nothing. Two, most kings are born in a palace that does not lack things, <laughs> that's fully dressed up, right? Possessing all the amenities, luxuries, possibilities, imaginable, already available to that child when they're born, to that heir. Jesus, born in a barn, with the livestock. No doctors, no caregivers, no birthing experts, or servants to take care of his immediate needs. Furthermore, when he grew up to be an adult and went into ministry, the scriptures tell us he had no place to lay his head. Our king was homeless, not successful, not responsible by worldly standards. Number three, most kings hang out with and associate with other royalty, celebrity, high society, power figures, right? Jesus, he came onto the scene and went to the opposite. He went directly to the opposite. He came onto the scene and said, give me the commoner, give me the normie. Like, give me the marginalized and the underdog and the loser and the screw-up and the ostracized. Give me the people no one else wants to hang out with. That's who I want to hang out with. That's my company. That's why I'm here right now. I think you all know that. I am all these things that I just said, and Jesus wanted to hang out with me. Jesus came to me. 
That's who he came to be with. He said, this is my company. So he was a king of and for the people. He was a king of and for you and me. Number four, most kings appeased the populace with their speech, their language, their words, their motivations, their promotions, and their propaganda. Jesus, he threw a grenade straight into the middle of all of that. All of that. He said things that you shouldn't say. He taught things that you shouldn't teach. He communicated truths publicly that would ultimately get him killed, but did so because it was true. He spoke truth. He told the truth rather than play the game. And he was different that way than most kings. Five. Most kings rebel against all other kings and kingdoms, vying for position, power, right? They fight, they threaten, they feud against outside authority and opposition. They, they live and they breathe to show and exercise their, their power and their authority against all who dare to take it. But Jesus... Though he possessed the power to defy and level the political and religious and governmental power structure that he was subject to, he didn't. He didn't. We need to hear this. He submitted to their superficial power, allowing the law to stand, resulting in his arrest and trial and crucifixion. Again, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have said, I'm king. You're just some little superficial governor that I put in place, so I'm not going to listen to you. He didn't. And he didn't teach his disciples to do so either. I don't know what kind of kings do that. Which brings us to six. With most kings, the people die for them. With King Jesus, he died for his people. Our king died for us. King Jesus died for the people. This is why Christmas matters infinitely to the Christian. This is why it matters. is because our king died for us. He wasn't born to be a baby in a manger. He was born because of what he would do next. He was born to die. This is the reason why there is a fascination that you and I should have of gratitude. At Christmas time, because of what that baby would grow up to do after he came. He came to die for his people, and this is where the gospel starts, right? Like, like you cannot separate the birth from the cross. You cannot separate the birth from the resurrection. You cannot separate the birth from the ascension. All of these people together, or all these pieces, sorry, together, is the gospel. It is the good news, every bit of it. And that he was king in and, all, and through all of it is the beauty and the amazement for all who are being saved by it. Uh, amazing love, how could it be that you, my king, would die for me? It's an amazing thought, right? And it's amazing because of what he did and how he did it. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, whether we believe it or not. But if you do believe it, I would ask you this time of the year, actually, even if you don't, to be wise, warned, and rejoice, serve, and kiss your king. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Isaiah 9 one more time to close. Actually, go ahead and stand because we're going to sing anyway. Stand for it again. What I want you to listen for this time as I read Isaiah 9 again, chapter, uh, verses 6 and 7, is the king language that's in all of it. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Then the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here it is. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore.